Turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 11, 25 to 26. And Joe, why don't you go check in the office and see if we've got a box of those, and we'll hand them, out to, we'll hand them to you on the way out. How's that? How, how many people want an a Easter Resurrection Sunday bookmark? All right. We've got our guys going for it right now. So turn your Bibles to uh, uh, John chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. And uh, ushers, come forward with Bibles. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Ushers will have some Bibles for you. And uh, let's look at that, those two verses, great verses this morning. I am the resurrection of life, Jesus said, and he who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, when Jesus gave those two verses, those two verses were given to a sister of a guy that just died. His name was Lazarus. If you remember this story, John chapter 11, Lazarus uh, had died, and Jesus was off in another region doing ministry, and so Jesus comes on to, into their hometown of Bethany now. They get to Bethany, and what happens is the Mary and Martha, the sisters that were very close friends to Jesus, were questioning Jesus. Why? Jesus, if you had just been here, if you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died, because you're a great healer, Jesus. And if you, if you had been here, we could, you could have healed him, and he wouldn't have to be in a tomb right now. And then Jesus, it says, responded to that by saying, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And everyone who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live. And I tell you what, he was imparting hope there to, to Martha in this story. And I want to impart some hope to you this morning, too, about the, those, those two verses, two very easy verses. Throw out those verses on the screen there, Noah, and let's just have, I am the resurrection and the life. And we'll keep those up there as we go through these verses. If you don't have a Bible, you can just see it right there. I am the resurrection of life. Now, the first thing I want you to see in these two verses, very important. Jesus states, I am. You know why that's important? Because when Moses was at the burning bush, at the burning bush, he asked this voice from heaven, telling him to go to the most powerful man in the world, the Pharaoh, and tell that Pharaoh, you've got to release all my slaves. And Moses said, well, you better tell me who's sending me here. I'm putting my life at stake here. And he said, Tell them the name is I am. I am. Literally translated in the Hebrew, I am that I am. Talking about his eternal preexistence before our creation. And now Jesus, throughout the Gospel of John, we're going to see throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am, I am, I am, I am, over and over and over again. He makes statements like uh, John chapter 6, the first I am statement, John 6, 35. He says, I am the bread of life. You know what he's saying there? He says he has the ability to be your sustainer. What he's saying there is if you're hungry on the inside, if you've got a hungry heart, I, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Just eat of me. And you won't be restless or hungry anymore. I'm the bread of life. He's the sustainer. And then he also says the second thing in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. I like that about Jesus. He lights up our life, doesn't he? He illuminates. He's the illuminator. He's not only the sustainer, he's the illuminator. What does that mean? He means he brings his light of truth, his light of righteousness, his light of heaven, his light of glory into our lives. And as we behold his face, we're changed from glory to glory into his image by the light and the light and the power of that light in our lives. Powerful, powerful. And then, then he says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am. I'm the door. What does that mean? It means he has the keys to heaven. And if you want to get into heaven, 
Jesus says there's only one door. It's not like the, the game shows where there's this door A, door B, door C. No, it, with Jesus, there's only one way, and he is the door, and he's got the keys to heaven. And so he's the savior. He's the sustainer. He's the, he's the, he's the uh, illuminator. He's the door. He's the savior. And he's the only door we can go through to get to heaven. Next, John chapter 10, verse 11 says, uh, I am the good shepherd. What does that mean? Well, shepherds fed and shepherds protected. And shepherds uh, had staffs. And they, they, they'd carry their staff around. First of all, the staff was to guide the sheep. And that's what Jesus does as we walk with him. He pokes us and disciplines us and gets us on the right tracks as, as a sheep, a bunch of sheep. But he also, with that staff, Jesus, with that staff, protects us. How? Well, he protects us against the wolves that are of the world. And Jesus protects us from our own self and our lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. Jesus protects us from the enemy out there. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, right? And that's why we're told he's a strong tower and the righteous run to him as a strong tower. And they're safe because Jesus protects. He's the shepherd and he protects us. Also, Jesus, uh, our verses for today, Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life. Jesus is the resurrector. Resurrector of himself and the resurrector of you if you believe in him. Christ in you, the Bible says, is the hope of glory. If you've got Christ in you, you've got the hope of Jesus being your resurrector. This isn't all there is. It's way more. We have a place called paradise awaiting us because Jesus is our resurrector. Amen? And then also Jesus is, John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. What's that mean? Jesus also, he is, he is the director. He directs your life. And as you trust in him with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. He's the director. I am, he says, the way, the truth, and the life. He directs your life with his way, his truth, and his life. And lastly, he is the I am, the true vine. I like that about Jesus. You know what that means? He's the nourisher. He says that if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. You'll produce much fruit. But apart from me, you could do what? Nothing. Nada. I looked up the word nothing in Greek. You know what it means? Nothing. And if you want, if you want Jesus to nourish you and to give you what you need to be, have a fruitful life, you need to abide in him. You abide in him. He abides in you. He will produce fruit in your life. He will nourish you. And make your life a fruitful, productive life for the kingdom of God. But let's get back to this first statement, I am. I am. Why is that an important statement? Because it points to the name of God. And Jesus is associating himself now with God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the triune God that we worship here on this Resurrected Sunday. And so we need to remember this Resurrection Sunday. The first point about a resurrected Savior is he's God. You know why that's important? Because the chief characteristic of every false cult and every false religion out there is they'll deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They'll deny the fact that Jesus Christ claimed throughout the whole Gospels to be God in the flesh. And the Scripture is very clear on that. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word, what? Was God. And then John 1, 14, and the word, Jesus, became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. That's Jesus. And all throughout the scriptures, we're told over and over again, especially in the Gospel of John, that Jesus, Jesus, 
is God. I like Colossians 2.9. It says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's pretty clear to me, isn't it? Jesus, his deity dwelt in his bodily form. Uh, even, um, even his enemies recognized that Jesus was God and was claiming to be God. John chapter 8, verses 57 and 59 says, So the Jews said to Jesus, You're not 50 years old yet. How have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, I truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I, here it is, what, I what? I am. Statement of deity. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus was being persecuted now, potentially stoned to death because he was very clear in his statement, I am. I'm God. I'm God in the flesh. And we need to have that in place in our belief in the resurrected Savior, that, that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is God. Because you know what? Only God could be our Savior. If Jesus Christ isn't God, his substitutionary atonement on the cross doesn't work. Because the Bible says it had to be God, perfectly righteous, to take our sin upon the cross. And when Jesus said, paid in full, it is finished. He could only say that because he was God in the flesh dying for us on that cross. If, it, if he's not God, he's just another man being executed. But he was God. And he made very clear all throughout the Gospel of John that he is, he is God. Hmm. I am. Very powerful statements. We need to stick with the fact and not budge on this fact that Jesus Christ clearly, clearly, clearly was God and claimed to be God. C.S. Lewis, in his great book, Mere Christianity, put it this way. You can't believe in Jesus Christ as just a prophet. You can't believe that he's just a great teacher. You can't believe that he was just some healer or something. You've got to believe he's God. And if you, and if you don't believe he's God, here's what's going to happen. You, 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 there, he's a liar or a lunatic. That's what he said. There's three L's. He said, either Jesus is Lord or he's a liar because he claimed to be God or he's a lunatic. He's crazy thinking he's God, Right? which his siblings and his mom thought initially, that's what's going on. What are you claiming to be God? Can, by the way, can you imagine growing up with God in your house? Talk about having an older brother that's a goody two-shoes. Wow. Interesting, too. We know James and John. James and John. We, we know that, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, James and Jude. Those are two brothers of Jesus listed in the Scripture. We know in the Gospels they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They denied that fact that he was a savior, but after the resurrection, both James and Jude, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 actually says that Jesus appeared to James, and they went from skeptics to full-on believers in the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know that both those guys went on to write books of the Bible, and they were skeptics, but it's easy to go from the camp of skeptic to believer after you've seen your resurrected brother. He's died, and then three days later conquers death and resurrects himself. Interesting. Forty years ago, I wasn't a believer. I was a skeptic. I was lost. Lost teenager. And I had some friends share Christ for six months with me about the resurrected Savior. I didn't believe, I didn't believe, I didn't believe. But finally, the one guy that was really sharing Christ with me challenged me. And I don't know if you know John Hoppy, but if you know me well, if you challenge me on something, I'll usually take up on the challenge. As long as it's not immoral or illegal, let's go for it. Let's go over this challenge. And I got challenged. He said, okay, you've been arguing with me. You've been struggling with this whole thing about who's Jesus, God, and he's Savior, everything else. Read the Gospel of John, a chapter and night, for the next 30 days, and see if God doesn't become real to you, and Jesus doesn't become real to you as God. So I did. I remember chapter 1, 
Boy, I don't really understand that. Chapter 2 the next night. Chapter 3. Chapter 4. You know, by the end of that month, it's like these scriptures were coming off the page and sharing with me the deity and the reality and the glory of Jesus Christ. And it changed my life. It's right at that time period of reading the Gospel of John that I got saved. I came to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. And listen, if, if you're on that fence still and you're still trying to come to grips with this faith in Jesus as God, best, thing, best challenge I give you, read the Gospel of John, a chapter and night for the next month, and see if Jesus doesn't become real to you too. Because this Bible is inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness that you may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. So do that. That's the John Hoppy Challenge for Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Study the Gospel of John this next month and see if God doesn't speak to you. So the first point about the resurrected Savior is the resur- resur- resurrected Savior is what? God. The resurrected Savior is God in the flesh. Second point about the resurrected Savior I want you to see here is he has the power to resurrect himself in you. In you. Go back to our scriptures. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never, what? Die. That's what makes Jesus, again, God. Because he had the power after death to rise from the grave. You know, he predicted it over and over again throughout the Gospels. He told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be inquisitioned. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to die They denied it because they wanted a conquering king, but he told them repeatedly through the gospel of of John that he was going to die. But then he told them repeatedly throughout the gospels that he was not only going to die, but he was going to rise from the grave. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so I'll be in the belly of the earth. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. You know, Jesus is the only religious leader that's ever lived that predicted his own death and then rose from the grave and conquered death. Only one. That's what makes him God. Jesus, he claimed not only was he going to die ahead of time, but he was going to rise from the grave. Wow. I tell you what, when you think about that, the power of the resurrection and his claim too. And it's interesting because the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 says that after he rose from the grave, he appeared with many convincing proofs for 40 days. Multiple times. You see a whole list of his appearances in 1 Corinthians 15. And it says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he appeared to Peter, he appeared to James, he appeared, and then it says one, t- one part in 1 Corinthians 15, he appeared even to 500 witnesses at one time. That's amazing. And then he said, and most of those witnesses, Paul said, are still alive today, can account for the fact they saw Jesus Christ risen from the grave. Now question, how many witnesses does it take in our um, judicial system to arrest somebody and convict somebody of a serious crime, even a crime of murder. How many witnesses does it take? Two or three at the most. They had 500 witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful testimony to the reality of the resurrected Savior and his power to resurrect himself. That's, a, that's incredible. You know, one of my favorite things to do when we go to Israel, we've been to Israel three times now. I've led tours to Israel three different times. And I love Israel. I love going there. I love going on the boat of the Sea of Galilee and seeing where Jesus walked on water. It's amazing. And then you go to the uh, uh, mountainside where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, and you sit there and you say, this is where Jesus gave all those blessings. Blessed is this. Blessed is that. Blessed. And, and it's just amazing. It's, it's mind-blowing because you could be in the place where Jesus is at, the Sea of Galilee. 
And then you go to Jerusalem and you see that, that Via Della Rosa where Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem with the cross on his back. Amazing. And then you get to the uh, place of Golgotha where you can actually see the stone of the skull. And that's what Golgotha is, the place of a skull. And that's where he was crucified. But my favorite place in Israel to go is the garden tomb. And you walk in that garden tomb, very good chance that's the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea where Jesus was buried for three days. And above the entrance to that tomb, it says this, he is not here. You know why? Because he is risen. And I remember the last few times when I've gotten to that garden tomb, I think, wow, this is the only person in history who could say that ahead of time. He was going to die, and then he was going to conquer death and rise again, and he did. Buddha. (laughs) Buddha. He's got this whole Buddhist religion, but I think he's still in the grave. His body stayed in that grave. Muhammad, over a billion people in our world today are followers of Muhammad in the Muslim religion. But you know what? Muhammad never conquered death. Confucius, he had some interesting things to say. Confucius says, right? Philosopher, but he never conquered death. Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormons, started a whole movement in Utah. You go 50% of Utah right now are Mormons. But you know what? Joseph Smith, still in the grave. Jesus, Jesus. I am the resurrection of life, and he who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die, because he's the resurrector. Not only of himself, but listen, he's also the resurrector of you. And if you trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can have the confidence that Christ in you is the hope of glory. You can have the confidence that this isn't all there is. You can have the confidence that just as he rose himself from the grave, he'll rise you from the grave. Now, if you die right now before the rapture, what's going to happen? Your soul is going to go to heaven, your body's going to go to the ground, but then at the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18, says the dead in Christ will rise first, your soul will be reunited with your body, and your mortal body will become immortal, your perishable body will become imperishable, and the trumpet's going to blow, and we're going to be all rejoicing. And I'm going to have hair again. And we're all going to be in our peak, prime condition for the rest of eternity. I believe that. We'll be more immortal, imperishable, resurrected bodies that are, are going to be at, a, at the peak for the rest of eternity. That's what we have to look forward to. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting that immortal, imperishable. I'm looking forward to getting to heaven and going for a walk with my Grandpa Hoppy, who I'm named after. I'm looking forward to the heavenly rendezvous that we're all going to have if we're believers in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. If you haven't put a saving faith in Jesus Christ yet, you need to do that. So you can look forward to the next life too because as a believer in Jesus Christ, when you close your eyes in this life and die, you're going to open them in the next life, the next blink. As a believer in Jesus Christ, when you, when you, when you breathe your last breath here in this life, you're going to breathe your first breath in heaven, a place that Jesus called paradise. And so Jesus, he's the God, he's God in the flesh, he's the I am, he's the resurrector of himself, and he's the resurrector of you, and also he's the source of true life. Go back to our scripture, it says I am the resurrection and the what? Life. And he who believes in me will live, 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 even if he dies. Now, devil's goal is to destroy you, devil's goal is to, to kill you. John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's the source of life. I love Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, we have this choice before us. And we have this choice of blessing or cursing. Life 
or death. And then it says, choose life. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose Jesus. I love, I love what Joshua said. He says, all you guys can go after all the foreign gods you want. You could go serve all, your flesh, the devil. You could go serve all the idols of this world. But as for me and my house, what did Joshua say? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the one who's the author of life. We're going to serve the one that gives us abundant life as we follow him and live for him. He's going to give us life, and he does. He gives us eternal, and it's not only life, it's eternal life. First John talks about this also. First John chapter 5, uh, throw it up on the screen now. First John chapter 5, and the testimony is this, that God has given us what? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the what? If you have the son, you got it. You got the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things I've written to you believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I remember when it happened to me. I call it getting born again. And what happens is you get a whole new birth. It goes from a, just a physical existence to a birth into a spiritual existence where you're no longer just living for the physical, you're living for the spiritual. And that's why Jesus said, if any man wants to have the kingdom of God, he must be born again. And it starts when you just open your heart to Jesus, the author of life, the one that says, I am the resurrection and the life. When you open your heart to him, he comes entrance into your heart, and it's, and it's very clear what happens then is you, you enter a whole new world, a world of eternal life, a world of spiritual life, a world where it's not so important, the physical things, what's important to you is the spiritual things, because you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness so he can add all things unto you. Does that make sense? That's life, and he is the one that is the source of this life. So three things about Jesus in these two verses. Who Jesus Christ is, he's first of all God. God in the flesh. Second of all, he's the resurrector of himself and others. Thirdly, he is the one who is the source for true what? Life. And not only life, but abundant life. Now let's go on and let's finish our verses for this morning. Go back to I'm the resurrection of life. Throw it back up on the screen. It says this, I'm the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will, will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die amazing verse. Do you believe this? Here's the next thing I want you to see in these verses. Two things these verses tell us about us. Three things these verses tell us about Jesus. Again, that he's God. He's the resurrector and the resurrector himself in, 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 in us. He's the source of true life. But now two things these verses tell us about us. First thing it tells us about us, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it says, even if you die, you will live. And Revelation 21 says, where are you going to live if you believe in Jesus after you die? Heaven. Revelation 21 says this heaven will be a place where God's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to take away everything in your life that's bad. The curse will be reversed. And there'll be, when you get to this place that Jesus promises will be a part of it, it's going to be amazing. Revelation 21 and 22 tells us that God's glory in this place will be so powerful that there'll be no need of a lamp or light or electricity. Sorry, Brent Franklin. No electricity, no light. You know why? Because God's glory is going to light up heaven for the rest of eternity. Just his glory. It's going to light everything up because he is the light of the world, right? And also Revelation 21 tells us that heaven is a place where there's no more mourning. Death will be gone. No more crying. Sorrow will be gone. No more pain. No more sin. 
No more people just exiting your life because they die, because we'll be with each other for the rest of eternity, a place where God's going to wipe away every tear. It's going to be glorious. Again, there's a reason why Jesus called this place heaven paradise. And one of the things that we know from these verses we're studying this morning, just these two verses, we know that if you live and believe in him, you're not going to die. And that's the second point of the thing. First of all, we know that if we live and believe in him, uh, we're going to live even if we die. But listen, also what he's saying in the statement here is very powerful. You're really never going to die if you believe in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means you're never going to die spiritually. It means that, yeah, you're going to die physically, but you're not going to die spiritually. What's interesting here, too, is it says in Revelation, going back to Revelation chapter 20, it says that, that there's, for every person that rejects Jesus Christ, for every person that doesn't live for Jesus Christ, and you've only been born once physically, but not born twice spiritually, here's what's going to happen. Great white throne of judgment. Revelation 20, verse 11 15 says this, that all the dead, those that have rejected Christ, are going to be brought before this great white throne of judgment, and the books are going to be open. And every bad deed you've ever done is going to be brought before a holy God and you're going to be judged according to your deeds. And then if you've rejected Christ, you're going to experience what's called the second death, which is being thrown in the lake of fire. Go on, on to those next verses, uh, Noah. And uh, Right there it says, If any man's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And that's called the second death in that chapter also. Second death. Wow. No, thank you. I don't even like the idea of books being open about all the bad stuff I've done because I've done some bad stuff. But you know what? If you've got Jesus as your Savior, you're never going to die in this way. You're never going to be thrown in the lake of fire because Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Literally translated, paid in full. And if Jesus is your Savior, here's what's happened. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on your behalf that you now might become the righteousness of God in him. First Peter chapter 3 puts it this way. God made him the just to die for the unjust in order that he might bring you to God and save you and forgive you and give you a new life and, and help you to be a, a person of, of, of life rather than death, a person of blessing rather than cursing. So two things that Jesus gives to us as a resurrector. Two things. First of all, if we believe in Jesus and live, even if we die, he's promising that we're going to live. Live in a place called heaven. And then also, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're never going to die. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I had a friend in high school. Initially, he wasn't a friend. He was a bully. Never forget him. His name was Clyde. Clyde was a golden gloves boxer, Italian guy, and uh, he just liked to beat people up. And then I heard something about Clyde. Um, he was a couple years older than me, and I heard that he had, uh, he had a car accident. Coming back from Mission to Chicago, where we, we, all, we all, all lived, he flipped his car 12 times. Brakes went out, and the car flipped 12 times. And he was in serious condition, in a coma. And after he was in a coma, he came out of the coma, then he was paralyzed. And then after he came out of the paralyzation, he couldn't talk, and he was paralyzed, he started being able to talk. And then he was, went from uh, uh, being paralyzed, not being able to talk, and he started to have movement. 
And he started talking about, as soon as he came to where he could talk again, he started talking about God. And so some of the girls that was in the Dr. Dave's Bible study, as I was part of on Friday night, decided, we're going to go talk to Clyde. And they went and talked to Clyde. And they presented the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrected Savior to Clyde. And the moment they presented the gospel to Clyde, he said, yeah, let's pray. I want that, right? And they were so surprised because he was just the opposite before the car accident. He was someone, if you looked at him the wrong way, he'd, in, in the hallway of school, he'd beat you up. That's the kind of guy who was just full of anger, nasty guy. And you know what? What happened was after he was flipped 12 times, he was unconscious and his heart stopped for 20 minutes died. And they resuscitated him right on the hospital bed when, he, when they got to the hospital from the ambulance after he was dead for 20 minutes. And then what's interesting is after this whole thing happened and the girls led him to Christ, he started coming to Dr. Day's Bible study. And then I went on a mission trip with him to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We had a whole group of young lifers going on this mission trip to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We had about 20 of us. And guess who got to be Clyde's roommate? This is a guy I used to veer away from in the hallway because I didn't want him to look at me the wrong way and beat me up. And so I go, oh boy, I get to remember. But I'll, he shared his testimony multiple times with me of what happened when he died. And he, he, had, he said, John, I just, I can't explain it. I've never been a spiritual person, he said. But there was, this, there was this overcoming light. And it got more and more and more and more and more intense. And it was just an incredible experience, he said, to the point that then I heard a voice. And this is during the 20 minutes that he was on the, on the bed in the hospital, dead. And the voice told me after this incredible light appeared to me, similar to the light probably the Apostle Paul uh, experienced in the book of Acts. And this incredible light that just blew his mind, he said, there's a voice from the light that spoke to me and said, you've had a terrible accident, you're in a coma right now, but... I want you to follow me instead of yourself anymore. And I want you to live for me and serve me the rest of your life. And then he came out of the coma, and there's these girls from Dr. Dave's Bible study in his room sharing the gospel with him, and he got saved. The next thing you know, he's going on a mission trip with John Hoppy to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Amazing, amazing. His whole life was altered by this experience of encounter with God and God's promise to him that this isn't it. You're going to go back to serve me. But he experienced a little touch of God's glory there, of heaven in a sense, when he said this, this, this light came upon me that was nothing like it ever experienced ever before. It was the glory of God. It was the power of God that spoke to him in the midst of his uh, coma or, wherever he, or even in the state of being dead. And so you know what? Heaven's real. And Jesus is real. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection of life. I'm the resurrection of life. He who believes in me, hmm, will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never, what? Die. And so, hey, if you're here this morning and you don't know that you 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 got Jesus as your resurrector, you don't know for sure that you've opened your heart to him and you said, Jesus, I admit my sin and I trust you to be my Savior. I believe in you to be my Savior and my Lord. This would be a good Sunday to do that. No better Sunday well, every Sunday is a good Sunday. Every day is a good day to do that. But what? What a Easter Sunday, the resurrection Sunday. Good opportunity this morning to get right with God. If you're not right with God, get right with God. Don't, get, don't, don't be facing this life without him. 
He wants to give you resurrection. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you blessing. He wants to give you salvation. He wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to give you a life that's directed by him. He wants to be your bread of life for you. He wants to be not only your savior, your luminary. He wants to be all these I am statements. But you gotta, gotta receive him because he's not, he's not, a, he's not gonna force you. He's a gentleman. You know what he says? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. But we've got to open the door. The doorknob's only on the inside of your heart. And you have the choice this morning. If you've never done this, I encourage you to do that this morning. Open the door. Receive his love. He loves you. He died for you. He, he, he says, just follow me and you'll have resurrection instead of death. You'll be born again. You'll have a whole new life of the Spirit. I encourage you to do that this morning if you've never done that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, God, that your word is true. Thank you, God, that your word speaks to us this Resurrection Sunday about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that your word is very clear that Jesus Christ is God. He's not just a messenger. He's just not a, a, a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is God. God in the flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you for that reality and that truth, God. Father, we thank you, too, that Jesus Christ is the resurrector of himself and whoever believes in him. We thank you, God, that Jesus Christ is the one, if we believe in him, we don't have to uh, worry about what's going to happen in the next life because we know that he's resurrected himself. He'll resurrect us also, Lord. And thank you, Father, too, that Jesus Christ is the source of life. He said in his word that if I've come to give life and give it more abundantly to those who believe. So, Father, this, this Resurrection Sunday, help us just to be grateful for all that we have in Jesus Christ. Help us never to take for granted the resurrection that we're going to have one day through being believers in Jesus Christ. Help us to be people that choose life, not death, but life, and life eternal. Help us to be people too, Lord, that are people that are standing strong in this issue that Jesus is God, God in the flesh. If you're here this morning and you want to receive Christ and you need to get right with God, you, you don't know for sure that if you were to die today that you go to this place that we talked about, heaven. Here's your opportunity. and I'll just lead you in a simple prayer. All I want you to do is raise your hand and say, Pastor John, pray for me so I can know that I know that I know that I've received Christ. And I'll pray a simple prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer where you can open your heart and you can receive Christ this morning. Some of you this morning, I think God might be knocking on the door of your heart. He loves you so much. He just wants to start a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning, you want to do that this morning, here's what we want you to do. Just raise your hand right now and I'll pray for you. And I'll give you an opportunity this morning, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, to have a heart that opens up to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord right back here in the middle. Praise the Lord. Just raise your hand right now and I'll pray for you right now if you want to do that. Praise the Lord right here in the middle also. Praise God. Praise it back in the back row back there in the theater seats. Keep your hands up if you if you keep your hands up if you want to receive Christ. Where else? Right back here. Right back here. I'm praying just one second. Keep your hands up and I'll pray for you. Just I want to I want to give everybody out back okay, back row back here. It looks like a mom and a daughter. Praise the Lord. Great decisions, mom and daughter back there. Anybody else? Just raise your hand right now and I'll pray for you. Please, don't put this off. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Don't put it off. God, if, it's, if Christ is knocking at the door of your heart right now, op- say, Pastor John, I want to open my heart right now. I want you just simply to pray for me. If you're here this morning, you want me to do that, just lift your hands right now. Don't be ashamed. Jesus wasn't, praise the Lord, a gentleman right back here too. 
Okay, for those that raise their hands, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be bold. While everybody keeps their heads bowed and praying, I want you to stand up right now, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Don't be afraid to stand up for Jesus. Stand up for him right now. Praise the Lord. Right back here, right back here. Mom and Adara here. Praise the Lord. Anybody else that want to take a stand for Christ, we're going to pray where you can receive Christ this morning. Right here in the middle. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, last chance. If you want to stand for Christ, why don't we pray for you? Stand up right now. Don't be ashamed to do that. All right, for those that are standing, just pray this prayer right now. Uh, Pray it out loud. And the rest of the church, you can pray with these people who are standing. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I trust you to be my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I will live for you the rest of my life. I confess you as my Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for those who are standing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand, church. Praise the Lord.